Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Amen. Are you guys ready to go? Has, has this been a good series? I think it's been good. I, you know, I love Communion Sunday too. Uh, there, there's something ancient about taking communion together. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, and it, there's something unifying between former generations that have gone on before us. You know, this is how this thing all started when Jesus said, it, it's about my body. It's about my blood and the new covenant. It's about me conferring a kingdom upon you. That's how this whole thing began that we're a part of. There's something about it that really unifies the body, the generations today as well. There are people all over this city, all over the world that are saying, Jesus died for all mankind. Jesus died the once for all sacrifice. Don't think about that. Hebrews says that once for all sacrifice, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. He died for all people. I want us to think about that today. There, there's two types of people I want to talk about. There's really only two types of people in the world. Did you know that? that? There's those who have never heard or believed uh, what Jesus has done for them in his death on the cross. That, that's one category of people. They, they've never heard, they've never received the good news of what Jesus has done for them, Okay. There's probably some of you here today, you've never heard, and you might have heard messages all your life, but you never heard, you never received what the Holy Spirit was saying to you. That's one group. There's another group though, you've heard, you've received, but you need to share the goodness of God. You need to share the good news of what Jesus has done for you. Aren't you glad it's a done deal? I mean, it's better news than any of us ever dreamed, but it's so counterintuitive to the way we think, the way we live, the way our culture is, right? There's no, in our culture, there's no free lunches. You get what you deserve. Aren't you glad it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God? You get what you don't deserve. And there's free lunch all the time at the provision of God. And so this morning, I want us to just look at the good news as Paul saw it in in three different passages, they'll be familiar to you, but I wanna, I want us to think through this a little bit. Do we really know how good the good news is? Because if we did know how good the good news was, I think we'd be more quick to share the good news with people we come in contact with constantly. That we'd be the most thanksgiving people in the world, don't you think? So let's take a look. The first one is up here uh, on your slide here. It's a very familiar passage in Ephesians chapter two. Verses eight through 10, it says this, this, for it is by grace that you have been, everybody say have been, have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. But poke your chest back in, it's not from you. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Look at the next verse. Whoa, not by works so that no one can boast. For verse 10 says, we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. Both, both groups of people there. The fir first group of people, they haven't heard the goodness of God's grace. The second group of people have not taken those good works and done something with them. That's the less go part of this deal. So God's part, I, I'm, I'm kind of simple. What is God's part? What is my part? Okay. God's part is grace. Grace is God's hand reaching down to us. It's stooping to us. It's reaching to us saying, I'm giving you favor. I'm giving you unmerited favor. It's my empowering presence in, into your life that will enable you to be the person I've created you to be. How many of you wanna be who God created you to be? How many of you wanna do what he's called you to do? See, that's grace. It takes the grace of God. It takes the power of God. It takes the intervention of God, the invading of God from heaven to earth for that to happen, okay? That's the good news. It's called grace. And he goes on, he says, it's a gift of God. Okay, little Laban, Nathan's son, had his one-year-old birthday, and I had a bunch of little one-year-olds converge on my house, and, uh, and I mean, it was just gifts were flying, I mean, paper was flying, and it didn't matter what the gift was, the paper was the attraction, you know? And, and so, it's a gift that we get, not because of anything we've done, it's the grace of God. Joel talked a little bit about faith. What is faith? Faith is our part. But is it really our part? See, faith, faith is just our response to the reality of what is. You know what I'm saying? Reality, I like this verse in Colossians. It says, reality is found only in Christ. Colossians 2.17. Paul is tracking along. He's talking about all these you know, moon festivals and all, the, all these different things. And in great ways in the past, people have connected with God. But he says, you know what? Reality, what's really real, some of your versions might say, what has substance is Christ. It's Jesus. I have people ask me, so what, what is the gospel, Steve? And you can have all kind of big definitions of the gospel. Can I give you a real short definition of the gospel? give you two word definition. Jesus Christ. You knew that, didn't you? That's usually the answer to everything. Jesus Christ. He's the anointed one who came to earth to save us. That's what his name means. Christ, the anointed one, Jesus, the savior of the world, the one who's come to save us. Not a lot of hiddenness in that. Okay. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But faith is is accepting that salvation in Jesus. It's receiving the gift. It's saying, yes, I'll have some more of that, please. That's what faith is. Faith says, yes, I'll have some of that healing that you have provided through the cross. Yes, I'll receive some of that wholeness that you provided for me at the cross. Yes, I'll receive my freedom that you provided at the cross. I'll receive my restoration to my true identity that you established for me from the very foundations of the world to be in union with you, to be in oneness with you, to actually be the viceroy of planet earth, to have authority over all things because I'm so connected to your source. See, he's the source of our faith. 
Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way, that he is the source and that he is the conclusion of our faith. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. See, a lot of times we think, if I could just have a little bit more faith, you know what? You need more Jesus. You got all you got. You got him. Just say, Jesus, I absolutely trust you. Okay? So two groups of people here, those who said, Jesus, I absolutely trust you with me. And I realize you're the source of my life. But then there are those who've never heard or received that. Don't you want to live to the fullest capacity and potential God has for your life? I do. I think, I think three or four of us do. See, God really does want us to live at that place. But so Paul is saying, our response to what reality is, this absolute trust, he's saying your salvation is not a reward for good behavior. The grace thing is a start to finish deal. It, 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 it's the, you had no hand in it. Even the gift to believe is simply to reflect his faith. Let me unpack that a little bit. Paul says it this way in another place in Galatians 2. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Did you get that? It's not even my faith. It's the Son of God's faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. See, we're, we're gonna go out and love our city this weekend. It's gonna be awesome. But can I tell you what? We don't even have the capacity to love except that First John says we love because he first loved us. Jesus, as he was going to the cross, he's on his way to the cross in John 13. He says, listen, I'll give you a new commandment. And many times we go, that's not really a new commandment. It's a new one. He says, new commandment's this. I want you to love one another in the same way that I've loved you. He said, it'll change the world. Because by this, the whole world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love each other. He says, it's, it's my life in you flowing through you that'll change the world. That's group number two. See, see Peter said it this way, he said, you need to be ready to give an account of the hope that's in you. See, people are looking at us in this crazy day that we live in and what they want more than anything is hope. Sometimes hope looks like putting shingles on somebody's roof, right? Sometimes hope looks like um, mowing somebody's yard. Sometimes hope looks like sharing the good news on the, at the square. Sometimes hope looks like praying for somebody who's going through desperate times and needs the hope of God. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. So Paul is, is teeing this thing up and he says that you didn't invent faith. Faith began with God. He's the source. He's the conclusion of it. We get to be his handiwork. We get to be his poetry. We get to be his masterpiece. 
What does that mean? What is a ma- How do you know something's a masterpiece? Usually it's by the signature at the bottom of the deal. I don't know much about art. I wouldn't know good art if I saw it. But you know what? If it has Laban's name on the bottom of it, it's good art to me, you know? Good art is the signature on that deal. And God says, I've got my signature on you. I've got my signature on you and you are my work. He said, I'm not asking you to go out and strive and work real hard to make something happen for me. I'm saying, just be me wherever you go. Let me flow through you wherever I am. Just let me mind my own business through you wherever you are. That's, that's what a Christian is, right? And so love your city, man, I, come love your city. That, that, that'll be a good start. But I, you know, my, uh, one of my mentors, uh, anytime I'd go on a mission trip, I'd come back and the first question to me was, so how did the, how did, what did the Serbian people teach you? What did the Greek people teach you? What did the Macedonian people? He never asked me, hey man, tell me about what you did and how many people came to Christ and what all. See, here's the, he knew the secret. And we say it when we come back from a mission trip, man, I was more blessed than we gave away. I mean, we, were, we received the blessing. See, God understands that about us, that we're blessed when we bless others. And so that's what, that's what this whole giving the city thing is away. So what, let's talk about the gospel in a nutshell. It's Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Now, let's get into the meat here. I've got some questions for you. Because I think the, the gospel we give to people really will be determined by how we answer these questions, okay? So question number one. Did Jesus only start loving you when you made a decision to follow him. Okay, we got some that say no, okay. You think Jesus just loves people because he loves people? You think God is a loving God? All right, we got check one. If you can remember God is good and he loves people, you'll be a good news teller, okay? So that's number one. Number two, do you belong to God because of what Jesus has done are because of what you've done. Go with Jesus every time. You'll get the answer usually. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a deal where evangelism looked like getting that decision from somebody. You share and you get a decision and that's success. Can I tell you, that's not success. Because if you are making disciples of your, through your own persuasion, that fruit won't last. In fact, it might not even make it to heaven. Okay, what does evangelism looks like? It looks like sharing the gospel in love and the power of the Holy Spirit and watching God work in a person's life. That's what it looks like. Sometimes it's a big old smile. Sometimes it's just telling somebody, you know what, God really loves you. It looks like you're having a hard day. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? It looks like that because God is always at work in us to will and to do for his good pleasure. Third question. Are we reconciled, restored back to relationship, to friendship with God because of the work of Christ or because we made a decision? Okay, y'all, y'all catching on to how this works now. All right, here's a good one. Are we forgiven 
before we ask or are we only forgiven when we ask? You're onto the the pattern now. But in practicality, is that how we live? You know, a a lot of times it's like, well, no, you know, I'm not gonna forgive unless they ask for forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue what they're doing. We were forgiven long before we asked. Here's another one. How about repentance? What comes first, forgiveness or repentance? Ooh, got quiet now, huh? Forgiveness or repentance? Oh, come on, now. You, you, you're telling me that you're forgiven before you repent? You know what that's called? Some of you want to say that's heresies is what that's called. (laughs) That's called the good news. That's called the gospel. That's better than we ever dreamed. Jesus paid it all. He said, you're forgiven. And we, because because of the forgiveness, not in order to get the forgiveness, we say, because of what Jesus has done, he's the once for all sacrifice. I change my way of thinking, metanoia. I repent and I align with his way and I say, I'll have some more of that, okay? That is the gospel, okay? One more, one more. Are you and I a child of God? Do we become a child of God when we decide we want to be? Or, in other words, we adopt ourselves into God's family? Or, Are we adopted into God's family and made sons and daughters by the grace of God and what he's done in revealing his heart through his son, Jesus Christ? And that's it. Is it, which one, A or B? It's that long when you read. See, but here's the deal. When faith becomes, when faith becomes, I make a decision for God apart from the grace of God and the wooing of the Holy Spirit to bring me into that sacred moment where I go, oh God, you are so good. I just say, Jesus, you are my Lord. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. And I'm afraid that we have lost the reality that God loves us more than we can imagine. Now, let's let's keep on going here because some of you don't look convinced. How we answer those questions really will determine how we understand the gospel and how we share the gospel. There's two groups of people here today. Those who need to hear good news and receive it and those who need to give it away. But if we're not giving really good news away and we're just trying to twist somebody's arm to to pray a prayer, a sinner's prayer and get them into heaven, that is not good news. If you've ever had your arm twisted, you know what I'm talking about. That's not good news. When I was a 25-year-old youth pastor, I was working with kids from fractured families, divorced homes, uh, abusive situations, gangs. They were looking for two things. They were looking, number one, to belong. Everybody say belong. belong. And number two, they were looking to be loved, okay? Those are two, one and the same, basically, to be loved and to belong. So I've been taught this kind of model that here's how Christian life works. First of all, you believe the right message. 
okay? Then you belong to the right church or the right group, and then you become a good Christian. Any of you ever get that that was kind of the idea? You believe, then you belong, then you become, okay? I guess I was the only one who got that. And so believing the right stuff was really, really, really important. Saying that prayer was really, really, really important. But what I realized is I had people that, that I was working with, young people and some college students that were hurting. And their greatest need was to know how much God loved them, was to know that they, are to, that they belonged to him. Now, you already said that we belong to him before we ask to belong, right? Everybody, we agreed on that, right? But we don't often live that way. It's like, if you say the magic prayer, you can come in and join our group. I, that's, that's horrible, guys. I don't, I don't know how to say it any other way. No wonder people stay away from, from Christianity. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. And so um, I, I began to hear the Lord say to me, listen, I'm gonna reshape your whole idea of evangelism. So I just began to hang out with the kids and I would take them with me. We'd go visit the sick and pray for them. I put them in places that they felt really uncomfortable. Some of these guys were either in gangs or want to be in gangs and stuff. And I'd take them to the, to the uh, old folks home. And now, now I'm one of the old folks, but I would, I would take them to the um, nursing homes and stuff. And we'd pray for people and just hang out with them because I wanted them to see some things. And so uh, we'd talk about Jesus while we're shooting pool and just hanging out, okay? In fact, these guys, I had, you know, I thought I was doing pretty good. And then one day uh, they were started coming to my Wednesday night youth event, right? I had a big group of youth and all this. And so I thought, man, this is, I'm breaking through to these guys. And then one Thursday I came back to the church and uh, all my sound equipment had been stolen. And it was my personal sound equipment. And a small town, so I just got on the horn and said, hey, does anybody know what's going on? Guys, check the pawn shop. Went down to the pawn shop. Guess what? I found all of my equipment. I said, who, who took my equipment? Well, it was the three guys I was pouring into. They, they cased the joint. And they, they were belonging, you know? They, they cased the joint. They sold, stole my stuff. And they, and they sold all my stuff. And so I got my stuff back. And small town again, this is how justice works. They were placed in my custody to do community service. <laughs> well, we had fun. They said, now you can't have them wash your car, or clean your house. Or, I said, okay. But I put them out in the hayfield. How many of you know the hayfield will, will make you either come to Jesus or go to the hospital, <laughs> one or the other, okay? Long story short, all three of these guys came to Jesus. But in the, in the meantime, as we're in the hayfield, one of them came to me. He asked me this question. He said, look, what, I don't understand this. You, you realize that, that I'm not a Christian, don't you? I said, sure. I, I realize that. He said, so why, why would you have me praying for people and take me to all these places and doing this stuff? You treat me like I'm a Christian. I said, yeah, I do. I said, why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you want to be a Christian? 
And I said, here's, here's the reason why I do that. I said, because God wants you to know that you belong. He said, what do you mean? I said, I said, I said can I show you some stuff in the Bible? All three of them get in a Bible study. So we're hauling hay by day and in the afternoons we're having Bible study or in the evenings we're having And I said, let's look at Jesus and his guys. I said, when did these guys become Christians? You ever thought of that? When did, those, when did Jesus' 12 become Christians? Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't died for their sins yet, right? They're belie- uh, they're de- but they're casting out devils, Right? Man, they're doing miracles. They're seeing all kinds of things happen. See, Jesus started with belonging. He started with inclusion. He started with, hey, listen, you guys belong. God loves you that much. He is for you that much. You're chosen. You're adopted. You're, you're part of the family. You're included. You're not separated. God is really near to you. And when the eyes of your heart are open and the Holy Spirit shows you that, you'll go, oh, Jesus, what have I done with my life? I want you more than anything. And that's what happened with every one of those guys, but it took time. See, I think for some of us, we've got to see evangelism is helping people to live into the loving presence and the life-giving reality of Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. This is what I think evangelism is. Evangelism is helping people Live into the loving presence and the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. That requires hanging out with people. Isn't that kind of how we raise our children? Isn't that how, kind of how family works? Wouldn't it be interesting if we became like the early church who were known as the people who could, took care of strangers? They invited them in for hospitality. They took care of them. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, people are beginning to follow Jesus because they're seeing the Jesus in you and me. The gospel is Jesus. He's the good news. It's not going to heaven or escaping hell. It's, it's Jesus. And it matters what we believe about Jesus and the gospel. So to all you fearful evangelists, those of you who are afraid that I'm gonna sign you up to go on the streets this weekend. Evangelism is not about trying to get somebody to make a decision for Christ. Evangelism, good news telling. Being an evangel is sharing the good news of the finished work of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. It's loving people the same way Jesus loved people. It's Loving others because he first loved us. Let's look at one more, a couple more scriptures here of Paul here. This is in Romans uh, 10. Romans 10. Paul says it this way, because he's talking to both groups now. Those who need to hear the gospel and to respond to it and to those who need to share it. And he gives some really important information here. He says, first of all, understand Christ is the culmination of the law. This do the right thing and God will be happy with you idea. You've got to get that back. He's the culmination of it all. He is the one who's bringing it to a conclusion. So he says, you need to understand he's the culmination of the law so that there may be a righteousness 
for everyone who believes. So what does that look like? Glad you asked. Let's look at Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10. Very familiar passage. He says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit. A lot of times we read that and we see it as kind of a formula for salvation. Can I reverse engineer this for you a little bit? Your salvation occurred about 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross for you. In fact, in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 19 and 20, it says this, that, that God was in Christ reconciling, bringing the whole world to himself, not counting man's sins against them, but giving us that same message of reconciliation as ambassadors of reconciliation. So what's happening here? He's saying salvation occurred back then, but here's the problem. You and most of the world belongs, but has no clue that they belong. They don't know. They don't know the good news. Is there a decision to be made? Absolutely. But that decision is, within, is inside of the truth of what Jesus has already done. Now, I just made evangelism a whole lot easier for you if you hadn't, hadn't noticed it. It's the finished work of Jesus. It's not you having to work anything up. It's sharing people pure, unadulterated good news. But can I tell you what? Because we are so prideful or ignorant of the truth, we will still re resist it, right? How many of you can say, that's, that's me, I did that. But when the Holy Spirit comes and truth comes and you realize the goodness of God, everything shifts. So let me reverse it. You start out realizing you're saved and what happens is a belief in that by the Spirit of God begins, you believe in your heart. That's a reality of what Jesus did for me. And before long, it just comes out and he's my Lord. You see the difference? In saying, okay, Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart and now I'm saved. Does it feel a little different? It's the reality of what his finished work takes root within me and I say, I'll give my life to you. You are my Lord and my Savior. That's what Paul's saying there. But he goes on, he says, let me, let me clarify it a little bit more in uh, the next verses here. Verse 14, Romans 10, 14. He says, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? There's some, some here, some all, everywhere that has not believed in Jesus. How can that happen? He says, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Because it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What's he saying? He's saying, again, if you reverse that and you go backwards in that whole thing, he says, basically it looks like this. People are sent to preach and others hear it and they believe in it and call out to Jesus. But they're not gonna call out to Jesus unless belief bubbles up in them and that comes as they hear. Now, what does hearing look like? Jesus' most repeated statement in all the scripture. Does anybody know what it is? 15 times Jesus said this. He who has ears to hear, 
let him hear. And the last seven times he says that in Revelation, he says, what the Spirit is saying. Do you see the difference? It's hearing what the Spirit is saying to you. Because just sheer information will never be enough. Our pride will rebel against that. It'll resist that. We'll continue to try to do it in our own strength. But when you come to that place where the Spirit of God says, you can't do this on your own. You were never created to live on your own. You are created to walk in the fullness of the presence of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus living in you and through you. That's how you were created to live. Until you hear with your spirit, you have ears to hear and a heart to receive. It just, it's just words. It's not reality. Reality is found in Christ. Colossians says. One last verse, and I've already said it, but I'm gonna show it one more time. 2 Corinthians 5, look at this. God was reconciling the entire cosmos. That's not just those who believe. God's heart is for all people. God was reconciling the entire cosmos to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. He's committed to us that same message of reconciliation. So my question to you this morning is the first question I asked when we started. There's two types of people in this room. There's two types of people in the world. Those who've never heard the goodness of God. They've never heard the gospel and they've never received it. If you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what? I feel the Spirit of God drawing me to Jesus in a way I've never before. Things are making sense. It's like a a light came on and I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to step into Him wholeheartedly. No holes barred. If that's anybody here and you've never done that before and you want to say, I want to follow Jesus with my whole heart, I want you just to stand to your feet. I think there's somebody here that's okay. But I want, I want you, if you're, make, if you're wrestling with that right now, wrestle well. Because I'm going to tell you who will win. The second group here are those of us who just need to share the goodness of God. And so if that's you and, and you're saying, I'm, I'm a timid evangelist, I just want to pray a prayer over all of us. And then I'm going to ask if our prayer folks would come forward. And whatever your need is today, whatever your prayer need is, prayer folks, y'all can come forward. I'm going to ask the rest of y'all to stand. Why don't you just extend your hands to the Lord. language, just say, Lord, I receive you. I just receive all that you have for my life. I just turn from my self-willed life. Jesus, 
I want you to take full control of my life. Lord, I cast all my cares upon you. I humble myself before you. I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Father, I pray that you would release that goodness, that kindness from these four walls. As we walk out of this place, God, that we would just be a conduit of your blessing everywhere we go, God. Father, I pray for all the needs that are here today that people would be quick to say, I need prayer. I need need to see partnership, to see God uh, complete the work he's begun in me. Whatever that need is, I invite you to come forward now. And Lord, we just want to thank you, Father. We thank you again, God, for your goodness, for your kindness toward us. In Jesus' name, amen.